Theresa May sacked her because she was having under the table discussions with a foreign government which potentially could jeopardise national security. I sometimes see people in the Labour Party and I just imagine, well, you're not much better. I'm saying to everyone who's listening on the podcast as yeah, well, yeah. hello everyone, yeah. don't take my word for it, go away, Google Yeah, research, it. anything that's said today, obviously feel free to go, go away and research it. Hire elitists and all the rest of it, they've got all the money, all the power, and I just think, how much you know, control can us normal people have? It's the fault of the migrants, or it's the fault mm. of the foreigners, but it <laughs> seems to me that you know, Labour-controlled councils have had more money cut from their budgets. Do you want to be Prime Minister one day? Do you think one day we will have a Muslim PM? Where Muslims are, you know, they're, they're taking over. If he fucks up here, yeah. then all the Muslims will be just like, they'll fuck yeah. up as well, just like no, no, I hope everything you've said here is true. So, welcome to That David Podcast, again with me, David, and today I'm joined by Mr. Majid Khan. Pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for having me with you. It's lovely to be here. No problem. As soon as I had the idea to launch the podcast, you were right up there on my list yeah. to get in, definitely. And I can't actually believe that you were like up for it. Well, amongst other things, I think it's important to, to promote good local talent and people who are doing so much good work for Doncaster. Yeah. Uh, it's important to get behind people. Oh. So not just the fact that I like you so much of the work that you do, oh, it's more yeah. around the wider message of Doncaster yeah. and what we're trying to do in promoting it. Because a lot of people do talk Doncaster down. So when somebody's yes. doing good work, we need to amplify that, don't we? Yes, I agree. I agree. We're, we're definitely on the same page with that. Yeah. To start the podcast, I do want to give a big, massive shout out to where we are right now, which is CAST in Doncaster, because CAST support that David podcast, and they have done from the beginning, giving me the space to record, and they also support local creators as much as they possibly can. So I wanted to make sure that they got a huge shout out today, and there's gonna be links down below in the description box if you're on YouTube or in the show notes, I think they're called on podcasts. Um, there's gonna be links to CAST so you can go and check it out. We've got loads of shows coming up as well, and it's definitely worth getting down here to watch something. I know you like Caster as well. Caster, absolutely brilliant. Community groups and organisations, they always support, they go well out of the way to do whatever they can, often free of charge or at very low cost. But mm -hmm. bills need to be paid, so guys you need to buy the tickets, watch the shows, yes. buy the popcorn and do the rest as well. Yes, and who knows, there could be a live that David podcast show at Cast. That'd be brilliant, wouldn't Maybe it? next year. So I'm Good. just dropping that in there now. <laughs> Getting the seed in there now. Who knows what's going to happen? So, Majid, I think we should get straight into it. What I've done on a couple of episodes now is I've joked by saying, oh, and today we're going to talk about politics and religion. Yeah. Because they're obviously massive hitting things and it's, it's clearly been a joke because I've never spoken about politics or religion. So I've mm. used it as a joke only today. We're actually going to talk a little bit about okay. politics religion, Good. if that's all right with you. Because yeah. I think he's such an intriguing character and I imagine you've got a very, very interesting story well, about... Because, obviously, you're Muslim. Yes. We're going to get straight into it. Yeah. And you're also heavily involved in politics. Course, You've just yeah. finished your term uh, being civic mayor of Doncaster. Yeah. And that just kind of blows my mind. That, that, to me, is... Well, I don't say an anomaly, but it's not every day. No, not at all. We see people yeah. like yourself mm. 
um, in positions that you're in, which obviously I think is a fantastic thing. Mm. I'm all about diversity and all the rest of it. Mm. Um, so what I wanted to do to get straight into some nitty gritty chat is ask you about that, about obviously um, your religion and then choosing the career of politics. Does Do the two have to be combined or is it two separate things? I think when if you have a fundamental belief system, I think that seeps into all aspects of your life, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And Islam and Muslims at the moment were very much demonised as being the other, or being a fifth column, or mm -hmm. the, our lifestyle and the way we live being uh, not compatible with living in the UK. Mm -hmm. And I think it's completely uh, the contrary. I mean, as a good Muslim, you need to have a social conscious. You have to look out for people not as well as well off as what you are, mm -hmm. and you have to always strive to do better for your, you know, your local community, your wider neighbourhoods, and everything that's going on. Yeah. So Islam in itself promotes um, people being good and everything which historically and traditionally we had here in the UK. Yeah. So if you rewind to do like the sixties and seventies, yeah, yeah. when we had a big influence of the church, uh, you know, some people saw it as being good, bad, or whatever, but. The, uh, if you take the, the priests and the clergy out of it, you know, the morality around the church, yes, about yes. being good to your neighbours yeah. and looking after other people and all that kind of stuff, yeah. it's what Islam fundamentally teaches, like all the other major world religions. Yeah. And as a Muslim, it's something which has been embedded in me from day one. Mm -hmm. So my transition or my move into politics was about that, about having a social yeah. conscience and being aware of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so I think the, yeah, yeah. The, the two work hand in hand, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Because what I think, uh, I think the problem that people have, or I don't know if problem's the right word, um, but the view that, that your everyday person has, I think it's a lack of understanding mm. of what different religions are. Not just Muslim, yes. all their religions. I think it's a lack of understanding of what it means. Mm. Like you're saying there, um, Islam, Muslims, it's about X, Y and Z. Mm. A lot of people like, kind of probably don't know that or they're not educated enough mm. to to understand what the actual belief mm. system, like what the fa what foundations it's built on. Mm. So do you think that's part of the problem? Why, like you say, Muslims can be de um, demonised and things like that? It's because people don't understand it. There is a, there's a massive lack of understanding. I think there's certain things which fed into this and we're going to have to go back a bit. Mm. I mean, and I mean, if we are getting a bit political, well, no. are, which I hope we find. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you have yeah. to go back now to nine, you know, to Tony Blair and the Iraq War right. and what that started, and you know, George Bush and all the rest of it. Yeah, so yeah. all this all started. I've heard of these people. Yeah. My knowledge yeah. is not so, uh, the Iraq War and what happened there. It kind of led out into the region. So you had Saddam Hussein, mm -hmm. who controlled a massive amount of oil in Iraq. Mm -hmm. So for whatever reason, the British and the Americans went in, overthrew Saddam Hussein took over the country, took over the oil supplies, and that then bred uh, a group of people who were terrorists, yeah, yeah. who, in, the, in the, the view in their country of those people is that they're not terrorists, so are they? Mm. You've got a foreign army yeah, yeah. coming to your country, trying to take over your land and your oil. Yeah, yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to fight back <laughs> and you're going to resist, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they got labelled as you know, mm. terrorist organisations, and Al-Qaeda and ISIS eventually came out of all of that mm -hmm. and it you know and we, we see the state of play now with what's going on in Syria and the wider geopolitical issues that we've got in the Middle East now yeah and because of that Islam got demonized massively mm -hmm. now if you go back to Iraq and uh, even before then in Afghanistan yeah. when the Russians were trying to take over Afghanistan it was the CIA and the Americans who were funding bin Laden 
So they were giving money to Osama bin Laden and the Mujahideen yeah, yeah. to fight a war against the Russians. They beat the Russians and you've got all these people who are war hardened. That's all they've ever known. Yeah. Loads of money from the CIA. They've got shitloads of weapons. Yeah. And what they're going to do? They just sat there, you know, twiddling yeah, yeah. thumbs, nothing better to do. And then when the next wave came, and it was the Americans who then came to invade Afghanistan, yeah. they start fighting. Trained by the Americans. Right, and so, so basically what we're saying is, because I, I don't know obviously what are facts and I don't know what are conspiracies. I only know what your average person would know. Mm. And that source is coming from the media, which we know we can can't always trust mm. at all. Mm. So basically what we're saying is a lot of the bigger issues um, that surround like religion and politics and stuff, a lot of it from say America and Britain's point of view, mm. we've caused a lot ourselves. We, a lot of our foreign policy has led to where we are now. Right. And a lot of our interventions. And a lot of the time that they are, you know, people are genuine what they do, they're trying to do good. Mm -hmm. But you never know what the effect of that's going to be to you. No. And you end up in situations. And if we fast forward to now, so what's happened is Muslims have been demonized. Yes. That were terrorists and X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And then you've got disenfranchised communities throughout England, throughout the UK. And not just necessarily Muslim or Pakistani or Indian or Bengali. Do you know, working class communities mm -hmm. across the UK are disenfranchised and you don't even have to go far. You can, even here you can go across to, to places like Mexborough, Denny Coddysburg, Canby, you know, across yeah, yeah. Doncaster you've got communities who have been isolated, who have been left behind. And people there, they have, they, they've not got anything to do or they don't see a way out. Yeah. So what do they turn to? They turn to criminality often mm -hmm. and stuff which is uh, unlawful. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you're a Muslim and you're conducting stuff which is unlawful or involved in that stuff, it's easy to label you as a Muslim criminal. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is it, because you don't ever see uh, a headline in the news saying, white man does this. Yeah, or yeah. Christian does or this. Christian does this. Yeah. yeah, you only ever really see yeah. Muslim. Muslim. Like, what is it relates to a bad situation. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I do think, like, from what we've talked about there, then, it's kind of cleared up. Like I say, what I've said before, I think I was talking to Mikhaila before, and I said, I don't ever talk about politics and religion. Obviously, in my house, with my wife, or talking to my dad or mum or whoever, we have conversations about this kind of stuff. Mm. But I never talk about it on the internet because it could be an absolute shit show. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of uneducated people, this is my thing, is I don't talk about it because I don't feel educated enough mm. to put my opinion out there. Mm. And what I remember saying to Mikhail was, I, I cannot wait to have yourself on the podcast because I'd like to talk to somebody who is educated in those types of things because it makes for a much better conversation. And that's, uh, so I'm, I'm really happy with that. Do you think that, obviously, you made a conscious decision to move into politics um, is part of your, I don't want to use agenda because that usually mm. is like you're trying to do something a bit dodgy, which is not, but is part, say, like your mission of being in politics to raise awareness and educate more people about your faith as well. I think that goes hand, hand in hand. Uh, my move into politics was all purely very selfish mm -hmm. and very accidental. Where I live, there's a bit of land behind my house which right. belongs to Donny Council. Yeah. Donny Council were going to sell it off to uh, the graveyard to bereavement services. Right. So me, alongside a group of other residents, we got together because we're not going to have this, we're not having uh, yeah. this going on. And we just, we started from there, we set up a, a, a change.org petition yeah. that it shouldn't be transferred, made awareness, got a Facebook page going, do you know some social media awareness. Yeah. We've just got a bit of a movement going where yeah. I live. And 
that sale, I mean, on change.org, you can, you can tag people in, can't you? Yeah, so yeah. every time somebody was signing a petition, Head of Movement Services, Chief Executive, uh, the Mayor, they were getting an email, yeah. and bang, bang, <laughs> bang, and eventually it was decided. I don't know if it was us or they had a change of policy or whatever. I always say that it was because of our campaign. Yeah, yeah. They decided that we weren't going to sell this piece of land, and that kind of then got me into local politics a bit. Yeah. People opened to them, look, why don't you stand as our councillor, we need good local representation. Yeah. And then I kind of just... So what sort of qualifications do you need or do you not? Do you, that, that's the beauty of local politics and politics uh, as a whole. I mean, if you talk about Labour Party, which I can talk about in detail because I know mm -hmm. I'm part of the Labour movement and I'm a trade union, something I'm very proud of. Mm -hmm. Within the Labour movement, you don't have to have any formal qualifications. You just need to have a, the right attitude. Your yeah. heart needs to be in the right place. You need to be committed. So wow. if you look at people who are senior within the Labour Party, often they've just moved through the ranks of whatever work they were in. So you've got people like uh, Ian Lavery, who worked in a coal mine, worked in the mining industry, worked yeah. his way up, and he's now uh, you know, chairman of the Labour Party. Mm. Whereas if you look at the Tories, you know, and you look at the current cabinet makeup. This way it's not throwing shade at you. Well, well no, it's, it's, <laughs> no, no, it's fact which can be fact checked. Yeah, yeah. You can go look at it. Forty-six percent of Boris Johnson's cabinet are privately educated. No, educated at Eton. You know, right. like seventy-five percent or something silly are you know privately educated. Yeah, yeah. It's just the, the disparity is massive. It's That's because from somebody like say who is not so educated, that is kind of what I see when I when someone like starts talking to me about politics and stuff. I'm kind of like. I get disinterested in it because I see um, the play. This is our our doctor. I said to the net last night. What's that room where they all stand and they talk and there's a speaker in the house and they all like woo 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 yeah. jeering at each other. Yeah. Well, basically, I'm like when I see that on TV and there's these privately educated yeah. elite-looking people that are all probably rich and stuff mm -hmm. and they're all like weird, oh, and like jeering at each other. Yeah. So I'm like. They're running country, like, yeah. I just start thinking, none of them are like me. I don't think, from my personal point of view, I'll ever be 100% in with politics until I see somebody who's like me in a position, in some form of position of power. I'm not saying, like, I should be Prime Minister or whatever, mm. but somebody a bit more relatable. Mm. And I don't really find that, because another thing that I want to talk to you about which I, I don't know if I've ever said on the internet is I've never voted. Okay. And saying that to somebody who's obviously heavily in politics yeah. and stuff, yeah. I wanted to have this conversation as well to obviously say to you, like, listen, I've never voted. What do you, from your point of view, say to somebody who's never voted? Because I can back up why I've never voted as well. But obviously, I imagine you're of the, um, the thinking of, well, if you want anything to change and all that sort of mm. stuff, you've got to vote, you've got to kind of pick a side and stuff. Mm. So, what do you think about people that don't vote? I, I often have this conversation with people uh, locally, to where, where I live and where I run as a councillor, mm -hmm. and people often say, look, I don't understand politics, I've not got a massive interest in it, yeah. for that reason I never vote. Yeah. Well, my answer to that is, you're voting for me, so if you like Majid and you yeah. like me and you like what I do, yeah. then go out and support me. Don't you know you don't even have to look at what party I am or the rest of it. If you like the work that I'm doing or what I'm about, mm -hmm. go and vote for me. And that's what ultimately it's about. Yeah. You're voting for a person who's going to represent your interests. Yes. And that's what it comes down to. Yes. And that's the thing where like the way I back up the reason I don't vote is because I've like I've used the analogy before. 
say there's like that obviously there's usually there's conservatives and Labour and whatever other party. To me, it generally feels like do I want a kick in the balls, a kick in the face, or a slap round the mm. chops or whatever? It's like I don't actually want any because I don't really relate to any of you, so mm. therefore I won't vote for anybody. Because it almost seems like I have to vote for who I like the least. Oh, oh, oh sorry, who, who, who I, you don't like who the I least. don't like the least. Yeah. yeah, and it's a bit like that. I mean, obviously. And uh, it feels really, really funny saying this to mm. like yourself because obviously you're part of the Labour Party mm. um, and I'm basically saying, yeah, I don't really like anybody in politics. Yeah. But the reason why I'm really, really happy to have you on and speak with you about this type of stuff is because I do have an interest in politics and that is growing and that is building. Mm. And I'm trying to educate myself so that when it does come around where, right, I've got to step up now and decide what I want to do. I want to vote this time? Do I not want to vote again? I want to kind of educate myself more. Are, are Labour, in your opinion, that, like, they are supposedly for the people, like, like me people I'm talking about. Yeah. That's what it's about. And then you've got your Conservatives who generally are for rich people. Is that basically, can a, you say? That's a good, yeah, that's a good way to summarise it. I mean, if you look at the analogy I spoke about earlier, but you've got the cabinet, which is made up of like forty-six percent people who are educated at Eton, mm. and you've got our education uh, shadow secretary, you know, Angela Rayner, who correct me if I'm wrong, but I think at sixteen, she she had a baby at fifteen, sixteen. I'll never know if you're wrong. Mate. No, at fifteen, sixteen, <laughs> she'd only had a child, and you know, uh, you know, didn't go through the education system, just worked her way through the system, and she's now you know shadow education. Uh, minister, yeah. and I think one of the Tories turned around and said to us, "Like you're not going to last six months." She's lasted three prime, three Tory prime, prime ministers. She's lasted, doesn't she? Wow. Yeah? yeah. And she's a normal working class girl. Yeah. You know, and she's made it, and that's what the Labour movement is about. It's yeah. Looking at local talent, bringing it through. We were in the chambers yesterday, and uh, one of my uh, one of my colleagues, somebody I work closely with, John Gilliver who was talking about the fire brigade and the issues that we've got around uh, cuts to funding for the fire brigade union and we had Neil Carver again who was there from the FBU union he's a fireman that's what he was mm. and when he stopped being a fireman he went into local politics yeah he's a he's a guy from our community he's a working class bloke from yeah. here who's worked frontline experience and he understands the realities of what the Tories are doing yeah, yeah. and that's why he's able to stand there as a former fireman and talk about yeah why money's not there this is great see this is because Obviously, I don't know any of that, yeah. but as I'm educating myself, I w I'm obviously supposedly, from the community I'm from, mm. lean towards Labour. Mm. If I'm going to vote, it's mm. going to be Labour. I think it was the Canadian government. Mm. I'm not 100% sure on this, but I'm sure I read something where it showed their cabinet, I think they call it. And basically, everybody that was the head of each, like head of education, mm. head of health, say head of this, head of that, were people that had like, either 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years experience working in that sector. Mm. And I think that's where politics really kind of spins your average person's head around because you get somebody like, let's say Boris Johnson or pretty much anyone from Conservatives and I'm like, how can you decide what's best for me when you aren't going to clue what my life's like mm. at all? Mm. Like, have you ever gone where, and this is another, like with the Labour Party as well, I want to find out, are the people in power, like the higher ups within the Labour Party, are they similar? I want to know that um, whoever's like leading the Labour Party, do you know that like one week 
we've got to have beans on toast on Thursday because we don't get no money till Friday. You know, like living real life mm. like normal people do. Mm. Are there people in the Labour Party that like oh, definitely, from that background? Definitely, without a doubt. Yeah. That's what the Labour movement was built on. That's yeah. why when you look at the Labour movement in itself, it's people volunteer their time, their energy, and they're out there on the streets doing week in, week out, and the door knocking, delivering leaflets, doing the street stalls, doing all the rest of it, is because we've got an affinity to that. Yeah. We can relate to it. Yeah. I know what it's like to be poor. I grew up on Park Road in town. Yeah. I mean, at the age of you know, 11, 12, we'd be playing cricket outside what was the Concord Centre on Christchurch Road and you know, around there. Yeah. And we'd play cricket, and on the leg side, you'd have prostitutes fielding for you. Yeah. And on the <laughs> yeah, and off side, you'd have smackheads. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's the environment we grew up in. <laughs> and it was normal for us. We, you know, we come from working communities, yeah, yeah. and we, you know, when you were kids, you were out on the streets, and you, you know, it's it's what it was about. Parents, when I mean, this is what for me sums up what being working class, in my opinion, is about. Is when your parents went shopping, rather than going to one place to get everything, they would go from one shop to another, yeah, yeah, yeah. to another, to another, because beans were cheaper here, yeah. and bread was cheaper here, or milk was cheaper here. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. me now, even though. My kids sometimes say to me, Dad, Dad, why do we do this? I go, look, I'm not going to spend an extra yeah. X amount of money where we can go two shops down the road and we pay, do you know, less. much less. You need to shop at Aldi. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah, me, it's, it's one of those, there's some core values which have always stuck with me and that, that's one of them. It's just, it's kind of got ingrained mm. into me. Not because my parents were tired of being stingy, it's because they didn't have the money yeah to do stuff and that's still a massive reality in communities like doncaster and and other yorkshire i mean well across the whole uk there's there's like well it's poverty really well just it? look at food bank usage in the last yeah. we should not intend we should not have I, I think i don't again it's there or thereabouts i'm pretty sure that like, the uk is something like the fifth richest or most powerful yeah. country in the world yeah how uh, the size of us, I'll never yeah. know. But it's like, so if we're almost one of the best powerful countries in the entire world, mm. why have we got food banks? Why have we got, why can we not afford for like firemen to get paid properly, mm. nurses and all the rest of it? It just, to me, it blows my head. Mm. And, and what I think about as well, just while I'm thinking of it, like the whole thing with politics and budgets and all the rest of it, I think a lot of people, um, uh, disenchanted with it all because we don't quite understand it all because to me I'm just like right how much money is there right whack it into health number one whatever money is needed in health mm. put that money there and education boom there you go that's you two and then split the rest up between mm. everything else is it not that simple in, in a very simplified way I agree with you because early intervention Whichever way you do it has long-term benefits because it's cheaper. Yeah. So when you've got a kid who's three years old and isn't developing education yet at the rate of what other people are, you're better off spending money then at three years old for two years and get him or her up to that standard. Because mm -hmm. then for the rest of his life, he'll be on level with everyone else. Yeah. Whereas if you don't, as he or she gets older, that gap gets wider and yeah. wider and wider and you're spending more and more money mm -hmm. in later life to fix the problems that you could have solved earlier on. It's the same with health. If you spend money early on, yeah. early intervention, you know, do the operations or you know whatever needs. You say, isn't it? Is it prevention's better than the cure. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Do all of that early on. Long term, it costs less money, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. There's a conscious effort or agenda, in my opinion, 
for the NHS to be devalued to such a level or dismantled to such a level where privatisation almost becomes the default option. Mm. That look, the NHS is so shit, uh, we're going to have to privatise it. Yeah. Or there'll be the creation of a two-tier health system if uh, we don't get a Labour government where if you, like me, you're working class, you come from a poor neighbourhood, poor mm -hmm. community, you know, you might be waiting three weeks for a doctor's appointment or you can pay 90 quid and you can be fast-tracked. Yeah, sure. Then what happens, the people who are richer who can afford it, they get better levels of healthcare. Mm -hmm. They already get better, better standards of education anyway, don't they? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. they can go private. Then they'll get better healthcare. They will become, you know, completely separated from everybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, better health, better life, better education. So their life opportunities are better. So they accelerate away. Yeah. And we already see that. Yeah. And the gap is widening and widening yeah. and widening. And call me cynic, but you know, when you've got people now in government who you know who advocate for privatization mm. of the health healthcare system. I think it's only a matter of time. Yeah. I'm trying to find someone now. There's someone's put the stats together, you know, for Boris Johnson and his cabinet, and it actually tells you like forty-seven percent educated at Eton. Mm -hmm. You know, da 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 da. Yeah, it gives you and you read it. I'm gonna get a load of conservative people hammering me for this podcast. No, no. What, what you need to do is invite a invite <laughs> yes. a conservative on. Jeff just said the same thing. We just paused for those of you who didn't know, just for a little break. Um, if you're listening on audio or you're on YouTube, and um, I was saying I'd love to get the other side. So if you are conservative or part of any other party and want to come and have a talk to me about this, then I'd definitely, definitely like that. Um, right, the main question I've got for you, you've just finished a term being the civic mayor, Doncaster civic mayor. What is a civic mayor? Is it mayor or mayor? Mayor, mayor, mayor. I said mayor until Donetta said, stop saying mayor, it's mayor. It's mayor. My it's kids mayor. call it mayor. I think which is more a bit of like an America, yeah. Americanism, maybe. I watch a lot of YouTube, yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> it's mayor. So what is Mayor it? sounds like a horse though, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It does sound>. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what is it? What's a civic mayor? Historically, the mayor would be somebody who's very wealthy mm -hmm. from the landed landowners who are the modern day conservatives right. so, so you know the elite of yeah. society and and they in effect around the town over the years it kind of got diluted and you know democracy took over in the way that everyone was given the right to vote yeah. normal people like me and you could get involved in politics mm -hmm. and in Doncaster where we stand now is we have an elected mayor a Labour elected mayor in Ros Jones yeah and we also have the civic mayor the civic mayor is chosen by the councillors Right, okay. So the 55, 60 councillors that yeah. we have, we decide on a person. It gets put to a vote. If they get voted in, they hold office for a year. Mm -hmm. You're not meant to be political right? in that year, which for me was very difficult. So just during that year? During that year. You, you, no political views? No. Right, no, okay. You can't have political views because uh, you can't have a, a bias yeah. in that way. Because I control council, mm -hmm. it wouldn't be fair if I... Gave Labour, yeah. you know, more more airtime, or yeah, yeah. I gave them more leeway. And I think as a chair, I was very fair mm -hmm. and reasonable with everyone. I mean, uh, the role to me is more important than me as an individual, yeah. or me as a politician. It's the first citizen of Doncaster, so you have to give mm -hmm. the respect to the office which you hold. Yeah, and I think I was fair and good with that. Yeah, I've only ever heard good things about you. Good by loads of different people because obviously the last twelve months in particular. 
Danetta and I have been doing a lot of local stuff. Mm. And obviously the whole point of David and Danetta and the Doncaster section of stuff that we do mm. was heavily like, I just want to know everyone in Doncaster. I want to be able to walk around Doncaster and think, oh yeah, I know him, I know her, mm. I know them, I know this. And so I've been going to a lot of events and stuff. I think I've seen you two or three times at different yep. things and stuff. And I only ever hear good stuff about you. So you must have been doing a good job. I tried my best. And again, it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword for me because I'm, I'm Muslim. I'm a minority uh, and I'm somebody from here. So I need to be able to represent my Muslim yeah. persona in a positive way yeah. and show that being a Muslim isn't a hindrance to anything here. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the first things that you do when you become the mayor is you need, uh, you need a chaplain or somebody who's going to be, you know, uh, you, you, like a spiritual guidance or someone. Yeah, yeah. And Canon Stevens um, and I had a conversation very early on and he said to me, he goes, oh, I'd understand if you appoint an imam to be to hold that position, mm -hmm. I was, I was no, nonsense. I goes, I'm sure you're as morally upright, yeah, yeah. and you know, <laughs> will give me the same religious counsel as any imam or anybody else would yeah, do. Yeah. And uh, I mean, so I had Canon Stevens with me for my whole year. I did the services in the in the minster. Mm -hmm. I did all of that. I embraced all that because it's a part of the role. Yeah, and yeah. Me as a Muslim shouldn't exclude me from that. No, no. A lot of what happens is we were talking about how do you know working class communities often get isolated and get yeah. put to a side. The Muslim community often here in Doncaster or even York in England has often it's had the same issues as working class class people have yeah. had. If you come from a poor working class community, are you going to feel comfortable walking into the Minster when there's a big parade going on? And there's people dressed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you going to feel comfortable doing that? I mean, your average person's not. I'm probably going to be like, this is going to be a great vlog. Yeah. But generally speaking, people won't do that. No, no. Because they'll think these, you know, these guys are doing something, you know, next level. Yeah, I yeah. can't be a part of this. Mm -hmm. And it's that's another side of why sometimes the Muslim community isn't as involved mm. because they don't see a way into that or they don't have the confidence to be able to go in and do that. Yeah. Just like we have other working class communities. So if we strip out the colour the religion and that kind of identity and we label these Muslim communities as working class communities what they are mm. the same face the same issues and challenges yeah, yeah. so for me as a Muslim it was very important that I do the role to the fullest yeah. portray it in a good way and more importantly for me it was a year of being able to really get Doncaster message out there talk about all the good stuff that we've go, mm. got going on you know you have national profile you know regionally you have a lot of profile so it's been able to go out there and amplify the message of the good work that's going on. Yeah, yeah. So I worked with Business Doncaster, um, you know, Lorna, Chris Dungworth, our yeah. business team, uh, with Ross. All good people. Yeah, we really got together. And this is what we're going to focus in on. This is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And it worked. The best thing for me was working with the community groups, though. Yeah. And I think I came across three types of community groups. You had one lot who were very well organised. They knew how to get funding. Yeah. how to get money, how to use it, and how to use the mayor as a good photo op right, to bolster okay. their applications in what they were doing, yeah, yeah. which is fine by me. Yeah. Use me because that's what I'm there for. Yeah, They're doing yeah. good work. You had other community groups who were the polar opposite. Group of people really trying to do good work, yeah. didn't have a clue about what they were doing, yeah, yeah. but they just got stuck in. Yeah. They got their hands dirty. And when it came to funding or money or developing it, they weren't interested. Yeah. said, look, we're happy doing our little bit here mm. and we don't want to rely on anybody on the outside. 
and they'd say to me, Mr. Mayor, the reason we've invited you is so you can see what we are doing, mm-hmm. and that's it, which is fine by, fine by me. And again, yeah. you had some groups who were kind of in the middle. Yeah, They were doing good work, and they had good volunteers, and they, they had an idea about getting some money in, mm. but it wasn't their main And is all, that, all these community groups basically just about ideas they have to enhance their life within their just their community like what types of things are going on are they wanting some buildings doing or like what is it they want it can be I anything mean, it can be anything and everything mm. um i mean i i supported the samaritans as my charity mm-hmm. for the year because i think the samaritans do a lot of good work that people don't even recognize and don't even know about yeah I agree. And, and you know people call the samaritans they've got a free phone telephone number or a local rate number they call them they get the advice they have someone to talk to they put the phone down and typically people will never mention that mm. they won't go and talk about the fact that i spoke to the samaritans because i was feeling a bit depressed yeah i was feeling a bit shitty so i phoned them yeah you, you don't talk about no, that. no no so for that reason they don't get the press that they deserve so i support the samaritans mm-hmm. i did what i could do with them and any other community group that I could be involved with, I, yeah. I went and did my... Uh, did your bit. Can you only do it for a year then? And then you can't do it again? Yeah, the term lasts for a year. Yeah. And then you hand over to someone else. In a couple of years' time, if my colleagues in the council deemed me fit enough, they could always... Reinstate. Yeah, you. vote me back in. Yeah. And have me as have me as the, as the mayor again. Yeah, it's... It's very full on though, you know. It's, it's Yeah, I mean, I, from an outsider's view and obviously looking at your social media and stuff, it seemed like you were just meeting different people every day, all yeah. day. They're just photos of you like with different people yeah. all the time and stuff. What did it feel like wearing all the clobber? Like all the jewellery and all that sort of stuff. The, the jewellery, at first it was a bit of a novelty. Yeah, yeah. But after that you get used to it. But the gowns were really, they were a pain, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because the big, the heavy, you're really hot. Yeah, bulky, <laughs> and the the kind of uh, where you're down. Uh, it's interesting you say that because some of the meetings that I would have would be closed door meetings, so it's stuff that I wouldn't put on social media, yeah, or I wouldn't advertise. And in those meetings, I wouldn't have the the clobber yeah, on. I'd just be me, you know, we're, you know, we're shirt and trousers in yeah. a suit, and we'd sit down. And in my opinion, they were my more productive meetings where I could mm. get people in and we could be frank about what's going on. Yeah, and yeah. you could really talk about stuff. And I could say, right, we need to do this, this and this. Mm-hmm. Or your organisation or your department or whatever you are, you need to do this, this and this. Mm-hmm. Closed room conversations, they'd stay in there and you'd leave and now outcomes are being delivered because of that. Yeah, yeah. And it's the kind of stuff that I can't publicise and I can't talk about just because <laughs> of the sensitivity yeah, and the yeah, nature definitely. of it. And that for me, that's the bigger role in, in being the civic mayor. Because you're not political... You can have those conversations because no no one can then turn around and say that oh because Majid's a Labour politician yeah. he's telling us this no because I'm the civic mayor I'm telling you we need to do this yeah, and yeah. I've not got a political agenda my agenda mm. is to better the lives of the people of the borough and the region yeah so go away and deliver on it and for that for me it's a shame though because that's been the most rewarding for me yeah and that's the stuff I can't talk about uh, so there's bits that I now see and I go I. I did that. Yeah, I had a part of that. And I can't talk about it, but yeah, it's yeah. fine. It's, it's kind of the hidden <laughs> hidden part of it all, That's isn't good. it? That's yeah. um, good. What's your role now, then? Right now, I'm I'm still a councillor. Mm-hmm. So I represent Bessica, Cantley and Lakeside. Right. So that, that ward is my ward. I'm going to be up for re-election in two years there. Uh, the council and my councillor colleagues, they've got enough faith in me and they're kind enough to appoint me as the chair of housing and regeneration right okay for Doncaster which I'm doing now yeah and again I'm trying to do my bit you know working with other people to help develop Doncaster mm. and do what's right by 
people of Doncaster. So like on a on a day to day basis, then what types of things are you doing? In in terms of my councillor role, if I was to allocate the amount of hours I do, it probably takes up about two days of my week now. Yeah. And it's spread out over meetings and the committees that I sit on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the meatiest one being the regeneration and housing, which I'm the chair, mm-hmm. so doing reading documents. Yeah. At the moment, I'm setting out a work plan for what I want to deliver as the chair of that committee. Yeah. So this, this is what I want to do. These are what my targets are. Historically, we'd set a 12-month work plan. In my opinion, it doesn't work. No. Because if I go in 12 months, then my work then finishes. Yeah. Whereas I'm trying to set out now a two- or three-year work plan. So if I'm no longer the chair next year, whoever comes in and takes over their next two years of work is already planned out for them. Yeah, yeah. So that work's going to continue and we'll carry on working on those same projects. Yeah. Uh, and I've also recently been selected as a Labour candidate for Brigham Gould as an MP. Right. So the next Is that like next level up in politics it, world? It, well, it's outside of local, local politics. Yeah. Local politics is good. It's very rewarding because you have a direct impact hear what's going on in the ground yeah as an mp you have a more of an overview kind of role because you're not involved in the local council anymore right but you represent all the constituents yeah all of those people so i've been selected for brigham gool next general election which is when which we don't know do we no so i so i'm gonna have to vote you're you're gonna have well you actually you're not gonna be able to vote for me because i'm gonna be in brigham yeah yeah so So what you're gonna be voting you're gonna be voting for ed Miliband in doncaster north (laughs) And what I say to people as well is that if you're unsure who to vote for, take advice of somebody you trust. And I'm yeah. sure you trust me enough to yeah. have me on your podcast. So <laughs> locally, you're going to vote for your local Labour candidates. You're going to vote for Ros Jones as mayor. And you're going to vote for Ed Miliband right. as your MP. Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see we'll if, see, if yeah. I do. Yeah. It will be interesting. I just got asked during the break as well by Jeff, like, do you think you'll vote next time then after talking to Majid? And I'm like, I don't know. Mm. But this is what I'm doing this for yeah. because I want to talk to people, I want to educate myself and then next time I am asked a question, mm. I can be like, hmm, I've got a bit more meat behind it now. This yeah. time I can I can make a more informed decision. Politicians are real people. It's not always what you see on TV or media because yeah. that can be very easily twisted to make it seem one way or another. Yeah. You know, politicians are real people and sometimes they have bad days and sometimes they have down days. I mean, I remember there was that photo of, is it Diane Abbott where she sat, she's drinking a, a mojito, ain't she? Like a, an MS one. So she sat on the tube on the way home, did you know, sipping out of this uh, 250 mil can and they made a big deal out of it. But the reality is she's had a long day at work. Yeah, yeah. Most people, when they wind down, I mean, not me because I'm Muslim, but other people, they'll go have a pint or they'll have a beer, they'll have a drink. Mm. And she's on her way home and she's having a can, you know. Yeah, yeah. Leave the woman to it, you know, let, mm. let, let her get on with it. Yeah, I mean, it'd be an issue. She's, I think she just throws it on the chair and walks out. That would be different. <laughs> That'd be different. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Um, so I think we've already discussed, like, what made you get into politics. I suppose a big question um, that I've got, that we have to talk about because it just happened this week, yeah. but Boris mm. got the job. Yep. He did get the job, didn't he? Yeah, Boris. <laughs> Just going off what I've seen. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, what's your general opinion on, do you think he's going to do a good deal? Uh, not a good deal, a good job. Do you think he's probably just going to be there till we have another election and then things are going to change? I mean, from what I've seen, you know, historically of Boris Johnson mm. and his time as Mayor of London, 
I'm not filled with a great deal of confidence. No, I get the feeling that a lot of people that are way more educated and into politics than what I am think he's like a bit of a pleb. Like not not necessarily a, a nasty um, type of person, just more, just a bit of an idiot. I think that's people's perception of mm. him. I mean, I don't expect you to go, yeah, he's an, he's an idiot or whatever. But like, that's the general perception of that, say me, People I speak to, my friends and family, they're all a bit like that Boris Johnson. He's just a bit of an idiot, really. I was reading something from when, uh, during his time as mayor of London and somebody who worked in his office and they wrote about, wrote about him and said that he wasn't interested in anything. I saw that. He didn't give a shit yeah. and he just wing it. Now, mm. um, I don't know if you remember, the, was it a year ago mm. now, uh, with Nazanin, she's in jail in Iran. Right. The accusation against her is that she has been out there teaching journalism when the reality is she went out for a holiday. She's, uh, her parents are from Iran, so she was there. Now, Boris Johnson, in a select committee, sat there because he hadn't done his homework. Mm-hmm. He turns around and he says, ah, oh, she wasn't doing anything wrong. All she was doing was teaching journalism. So the Iranian government jumped on it straight away and said, look, your foreign secretary has now confirmed what we were saying all along, yeah. that she's here teaching without... So- I suppose that comes back to me saying the perception of him is, is a bit of an idiot. Mm. That kind of proves it, yeah. doesn't it? I mean, he did. Uh, <laughs> he tried to take the credit for, you know, the the bikes, what are now called the Boris bikes, which were the Barclays bikes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. In London. That was the previous mayor who set that up. Oh, Programmes like this take years and years to, you know, develop, yeah, to yeah. deliver. And he took the credit for that. For um, Olympics in London. Yeah. Again, he tried to take the... Um, the credit for that and I think it was uh, it was Law, uh, uh, Sebastian Coe who did the bulk yeah. of the work on I mean that. there's a lot of people involved not one person yeah. gets the Olympics to, to exactly. be in your place do they exactly and there, there was so much and he's tried to take the credit for and it was all legacy stuff done by other people he stepped in took the credit for it and walked away yeah. to sum somebody up when there was the vote going through on Heathrow Airport to expand Heathrow Airport to build Terminal 3 he said, I'll lay down in front of the bulldozers and whatever, and I'll stop it from happening. And conveniently, during the day the vote was going to happen, he mm. flew out somewhere and he wasn't in the country. Uh, so he didn't have to vote for it or vote <laughs> against it because then he would have been committed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he gives the talk and he does all of it, but he doesn't deliver. Yeah. His first few days in office, what's he done? He's reappointed, well, he's appointed Pretty Patel. Right. Theresa May sacked her because she was having under the table uh, discussions with a foreign government, which potentially could jeopardise national security. Right. Is that, is that definitely That's true? Fact. That yeah, way? it's fact. Yeah, it was yeah. in the media, it was reported. Yeah, and yeah. she you know, she was sacked or she resigned, I don't know which way around it was. Mm. On the basis of that, you know, she was having, as the, as the foreign, foreign secretary or foreign minister, whatever she was, she's meant to have somebody from that office with her at these meetings, taking notes about what was discussed. She did. And she did it in a way where, oh, I'll go on a holiday and I'll just go meet these other politicians and we'll discuss what needs to be discussed. And when it got leaked and when it got, came out in the media, she had to go. And I don't know, I can't remember if she was sacked or if she resigned, but it was one of the other. Yeah, yeah. Um, who else? I mean, the, you can go through the whole list, can't you, of the people that he's reappointed. Um, the guy who leaked all the stuff about our, do you know, communication infrastructure? Yeah. Um, who leaked it? recently so he had to go he's reappointed him he's breached national security he's leaking stuff about our uh, communication infrastructure and he's got <laughs> sacked and boris johnson has now brought him back in 
Is that good judgment? Is that good? It doesn't sound it to it me. Does sound uh, it. No, 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 and no, with this no, no, stuff, no. I'm don't. I'm saying to everyone who's listening on the podcast as yeah, well. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Yeah. Don't take my word for it. Go away. Google. Yeah, research anything that's said today. Obviously, feel free to go, go away on. and research it. It's out there. It's in, and it's not in some like conspiracy theory, you know, dark yeah, 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 yeah. corner of the web. It's mainstream stuff. You can go away and you can read up about all this stuff. Yeah. You know, you've got people who are advocating for the death penalty who are now on his cabinet. Yeah, okay now. And, and when when challenged and saying, "Look, how about the miscarriages of justice, mm. where people who now we know were innocent yeah. and they've been released, if the death penalty had been in place, they would have been they'd killed." Be yeah, yeah. And her response to that was, "Well, it acts as a good deterrent, killing people." And okay, and I mean for that to, again, go watch it. It was on uh, it was on Newsnight, and you know Ian Hislop. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Who's on? Have I got news for you? Yeah, and he, yeah, and he yeah. does other stuff. He's the one who challenged her on this, yeah. and it's there. You can hear her, her, her response to it. She said, "Ah, oh, it's a good deterrent. People being killed." You think, "What the fuck? What yeah. planet are you on? Yeah. What planet are you on, man? Come on!" And the one that sums it up for me yeah. is oh. Jacob Rees-Mogg. Right. No idea. It looks like <laughs> a caricature from a comic of a Victorian like slum landlord. He's right. one of those that you think bloody hell. He's now been appointed leader of the House of Commons. You know, right. somebody who, you know, he had a nanny. He still has his nanny, even though he's like 50 odd years old. His nanny is now his kid's nanny, you know, lives in a big country house, state funded, state funding for his country, his wife's country estate to be up kept and you know, stuff like that. It's just, yeah, these aren't normal mm. people. Yeah, they yeah. Can't, they couldn't come to Doncaster and go to you know farm foods or go to Iceland yeah, or yeah. do do, you know, do the shit that we have to do day in day out. Yeah, they're so removed from reality. I think yeah, I think that's probably the view from our seat into us uh, people that are more towards poverty end of, of mm. the country. That's basically how we view these mm. types of people. It's like you're just not in touch with reality. Mm. Excuse me, whatsoever. That's why it's a struggle to get behind them mm. and. That's where I've not really educated myself on the Labour Party, who is who in my area and in my circumstances is probably the party that I should be mm. looking at to get behind. Um, I I sometimes see people in the Labour Party and I just imagine, well, you're not much better. I don't know how outrageous that comment is, mm. but like I don't know, like Jeremy Corbyn, I don't know his background. Like, mm. is is he? privately educated i don't know is he got loads of money like is he just another one of these people that is completely different to myself so it's like i don't know if i can get behind you either because you're not quite where i am either and this is what i like i was saying earlier about until there's somebody who i really feel is like me like if you were going to be prime minister i'd vote for you yeah but that's because i've spoken to you and i believe in you and i think He'll do the right thing. I don't know if I'll always mm. agree on everything that you'll ever say. I doubt it because mm. people would be weird if you agreed yeah. with everything. Yeah. But I think I know he'll do the right thing. I don't know these other people. What I'd say to you is that I should be a reflection of the movement that I follow. Right. I'm a part of. Yeah. So if I'm a part of that movement, there's something in that which chimes with me, doesn't it? Yeah. That's why I'm so involved in it. And you talk about Jeremy Corbyn. Mm. What I'd say to you, again, go away people have got the internet google it and see yeah, what yeah. it's about when the miners were striking whenever there's been anything which has been a cause of common people like us mm -hmm. jeremy corbyn has been on our side mm -hmm. and he's been an mp for 
years and years. And I watched, there's an old video of him, which is flying about, I think it's from the 80s, where he's got this really tatty uh, jumper on mm. and another MP's trying to rip the piss out of him. And he goes, my mum knitted it for me. You know, what's wrong with it? Yeah. You know, uh, I can't afford to, you know, but it's one of those ones. Yeah, yeah. He's just a normal bloke. And I think for that reason, he, get, he does get a lot of bad press. Sometimes people can't see or couldn't have people like me or you mm. in that top job. Because mm. it just, it would, it'd be too controversial for them, wouldn't it? It would, yeah. it would completely turn the system that's yeah. been run. I another thing that that I think about politics as well, like based on just what you've said, there is sometimes I wonder how much power have we got really? Mm. The rich power because money money is the most important thing. Yeah. Like it's not, but it is if you know what I mean. Like in the actual real life, health mm. is the most important thing in the world. It should be. Mm. However, in reality money is more important than anything mm. and it's proven that with if there's not enough funding for nhs and stuff like that mm. that just shows you well money is more important than health mm. Mm. and it's like you, you i just think of these um the higher elitists and all the rest of it they've got all the money all the power and i just think how much you know control can us normal people have when they've got all the power and money it's like how do you compete with that I don't really understand how you could ever. And it's almost like, oh, you can have a vote, David, from Doncaster, but it don't really fucking matter, to be honest, because we've already decided what's going on. <laughs> what I say to that is that you need... I always say politics starts locally for that mm -hmm. reason. You need good local representation. When you've yeah. got good local representation and you believe in your councillors and the people who represent you on the ground, you will then believe in what their views are in national policy. Mm -hmm. So you'll believe in your MPs as well. And when you believe in your MPs and you vote in good socialist, left-leaning, Labour MPs, mm -hmm. eventually the country will change and we will have it. I mean, we don't have to go all that far back, do we? Sure Start Centres, which were set up by Labour and mm -hmm. introduced, it, I mean, it completely changed everything. Yeah, it goes yeah. back to that early intervention, yeah. working with kids at a young age, making sure they've got the best start in life. And what did the Tories do? They came in, cut the funding to short start centres. And who does it affect the most? Mm, not it's them. Working people. It's us that we're, we're the ones who are affected. We can make change, but we need the representation in Westminster to be able to do that. Yeah. And we need to vote in a Labour government. Until we do that, it, it's almost impossible to do, isn't yeah. it? It is difficult because, like, also, obviously, you're Labour, I'm poor. So, yeah. so it's like this conversation is heavily going to be in favour of Labour, yeah. which was always going to happen, which is absolutely fine. Yeah, I'm and I'm not saying, obviously, I've laid it out there that I've never actually voted, which, again, people can have whatever opinion they want on that. Mm. Um, what I would like, obviously, is it would be fantastic to get a view from the other side I'm because I'd like to think um, I could have a conversation with people that I don't think, it's almost like I'd love to know what their response is in terms of what are people that don't have to worry about money on a daily basis? How are they trying to appeal to me who like doesn't know whether I can go out to see my friend for a drink or whatever it is because I'm thinking, oh, well, probably not till payday. Like, how are they trying to relate to me? I'm not sure, I don't I'm, know. Maybe I can answer yeah, on their behalf because <laughs> there's no one here. Yeah. And I, what I always say is I would welcome mm. someone from you know, uh, 
someone from the Tories to sit beside me and have these conversations because I know what I'm talking about and I know it's right. Mm. And I know the policies that they've implemented through austerity, what they're doing, and they know that as well. Mm. So it's always dressed up. A big thing with, with the Tory party as well, it's around dividing people or blaming others mm. where it's it's the fault of the migrants or it's the fault mm. of the foreigners. Yeah. Why haven't you... Oh, you're not getting paid enough in the job that you do because these foreigners are coming over mm. or the foreigners are taking the housing or it's this group of people. It's that They always pick someone to demonise right. and deflect onto them because they don't want it coming yeah. onto them. And what I always say to people as well is forget the Labour Party. Take that out of it for a minute. If you work somewhere and you're in employment, you need to be in a part of a union. Right. Join a trade union. Mm. And... Unfortunately, it's only when it's too late when people realise the value of a union. Yeah. And when your boss tries pissing and shitting on you, <laughs> yeah, that's when you realise what the strength of a union There's is. There's a reason why I don't have a boss anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're if you're a part of a, tr- a good trade union, yeah. and you've got a good representation, the trade union will stand behind you, and you've got the power then of thousands and thousands of people who will back you mm. as a part of that trade union movement. And the trade union movement and labour, they go hand in hand. Right. And it's about working people, coming together, standing together and being stronger. Yeah. And some of my friends don't vote labour, but they still are a part of that trade union. Mm. They see the benefit of, of being part of that movement. Because yeah. it enhances workers' rights. It makes it better, better mm. working conditions. All these things that we talk about, you know, so minimum standards in work, workers' rights, minimum wage, all this kind of stuff. It was labour-led policy. Right. It's stuff which the Labour Party implemented. Yeah. If it wasn't for the Labour Party, we'd still be doing 19-hour shifts, do you know? It'd be unlimited what we could do. And we'd be keeling over, especially in this heat. Yeah, and in, in some ways, the Tory party want to take us back towards that, where they want to take away, uh, you know, some workers' rights and have it going, you know, regressing rather than going forward. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's one of those. I know we've got really, really heavily political, haven't we? No, that's fine. And, that's um, what this is about. Uh, and the other thing that I always say to people is, look locally, look what's going on in Doncaster. Yeah. People always criticise them, there are bad things, but we've got a Labour-led, a Labour mayor leading a Labour-led council here in Doncaster, and it's fantastic. Mm. There's opportunity, there's growth, there's stuff going on all over the place, which mm. you would have seen yourself. Yeah, yeah. That's despite 60 pence uh, in, a, in every pound of funding has been cut to... Doncaster Council. Doncaster Barnes and Barnsley, we featured, I think, in the top five of local authorities which have had the biggest cut to our local budgets. And who decides that? Central government. Right, okay. So it comes from a Tory controlled government. And there's a bit of a pattern. And I don't know if I'm just being paranoid Mm. or cynical, but it (laughs) seems to me that Labour controlled councils have had more money cut from their budgets than conservative <laughs> control councils. And I don't know why that is. And That's I, I just, some, I just can't something get, for you to research. I can't get my head around that. I just can't understand why yeah. they do that, you know. Well, I mean, <laughs> I definitely understand why they do it. If they are doing it, of course. It's fact. You can go out there, you can research it, and you can see the figures yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to be Prime Minister one day? No. No. Please, because this <laughs> podcast would blow up. <laughs> can you imagine if I'm like... Well, I spoke to Majid four years ago and now he's Prime Minister. Only because you you need to be someone like Jeremy Corbyn who can dedicate time, energy, his life 
to the cause. Mm. He's like 70 odd years old. And is he? Yeah, and he does, I don't Jesus, know. Jesus, I didn't know that. Yeah. He didn't look that yeah, old. He's, well, I think he is better Google. Yeah, what, yeah. What, yeah. No, what I mean is... <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn, 51. He's like, he's, like my, he's like my granddad age, you know yeah. what I mean? And he's still proper going for it. Yeah, I honestly and, didn't think he were anywhere near that old. When I'm at that age, I'd want to be... Chilling out. Chilling out a bit. Yeah. I've got a young family, I've got three kids, and, you know, I've politics takes you away from your family a lot. Yeah. And my kids need me around. I imagine you've got to be all in, because if you're not all in, why should anybody bother yeah. supporting you if yeah. you're not giving it your all kind yeah, of thing? Yeah. Um, I actually put a question down. I was writing these late last night. Yeah. Like, is Jeremy Corbyn your mate? Yeah. <laughs> like, do you actually have you obviously met him a few times and all that? Because see, I don't know how it is. Like, whether it's one of them. Well, you're part of Labour Party. You're in politics. You must all be mates. Yeah. Or is that ridiculous? Well, yeah. There's too. There's just far too, too many, many many people to know. I know. I've met Jeremy Corbyn. I've yeah. met him here in Doncaster twice. Yeah. Um, and I know him in that sense. Yeah. I don't have his number, so yeah, I could, what's happening? I don't have any of that. Uh, um, so we don't have that kind of a relationship. There's other MPs that I do have that relationship with, who yeah. are, I'd say, they're my friends. Yeah, yeah. So we have a social, you know, social interactions outside of politics, where we do stuff together. Yeah. And they're my friends, and in that kind of environment, often we don't talk about politics that much because mm. when it's your well, job, yeah, you, yeah, you need to switch off, and it's more of a laugh and a joke, and you do other stuff. Yeah. And do you have any close friends that are Tories then? I do, Not yeah. Just any of your kind, yeah, just your normal friends away from work. Yeah, I've got friends who are who are very much. Uh, do you find yourself getting into conversations with them a lot? Or? I, well, they just try to take the piss out of me more on social media and stuff. I think that's yeah. the, the angle they come up. But the friends, yeah, yeah, you know, I've got, you know, very close friends of mine that have, mm. you know, do kids that you go to school with and you yeah, grow up yeah. together, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So you have that lifelong. Yeah, you get yeah, away with a lot you know, more. Yeah, yeah. yeah, lifelong <laughs> bond and friendship. Right, this is an interesting one that I really wanted to ask you, is do you think one day, because I don't think we have, as far as my knowledge, do you think one day we will have a Muslim PM? I, I think it's, um, yeah, I don't see why not. No, I mean, I, I don't see why not, but do you think it will actually happen? I think it will. Yeah, because I'm sure that I saw something on social media, mm. scrolling through where somebody of some ilt or whatever like somebody who is somebody within politics like made a statement saying why we will never have a muslim prime minister yeah i mean i can't i can't remember who it was where the article was but i've definitely heard that somebody did once say yeah. that well you do get people who are very much on the right wing of politics who say that there's a bit of a takeover where muslims have you know they're, they're taking over and everywhere i was featured in a in a thing on social media where you know, the Muslim mayors of the UK and how they've took over local politics. And I was featured in there as well. Featured in the takeover. And I felt kind of like, I thought, wow, this is good. You know, yeah, I'm getting yeah. proper coverage. And, you know, not really, I'm out there cutting ribbons and, you know, you know, sat there eating cakes, all the rest of it. And yeah. they made it into this big conspiracy that Muslims are, you know, oh, they're all a part of this fifth column. Is that, that's racially fueled though? It is. Yeah. yeah. It is, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier that I've tried to show, lead an example, it was my year as the mayor, that being a Muslim doesn't exclude me from any part of civic society mm. or my role here in the United Kingdom. I can be a Muslim and be just as much as involved as what anybody else is. Yeah. Whereas some of these people, they, they still always say, oh, the Muslims are this or the Muslims are that. 
And like I said, in this article, they're talking about uh, they, they made a, a list like of Muslim politicians mm. and Muslim councillors, and they, they published it out there. And I think it was it was a very right wing organisation. Mm-hmm. I think the leader of which is now uh, in jail because he for contempt of uh, court. You know, yeah, he's, he's, got, he's got a big, he's got a big following. I hope everything you said here is true, which I'm sure it will be yeah, if you're is, saying it. it, it, it but it, it makes them sound well. No, I dodgy. mean, I mean, I don't like to name him because I think it gives him fuel. And I'm, uh, yeah, no, you don't. It, but it's Tommy Robinson. So, oh, all right. Uh, yeah. So do you know what he was doing with? Mm. Know, like, yeah. I mean, uh, my view of him is apparently is some people think he's racist. Some people think he's just standing up for mm. his own kind, if you like. Yeah. Which I don't really know yeah. what that means. My own kind is other human beings. Yeah. So I don't really. That's as far as I know about him. But yeah. is, is he so? Is he racist in your point of view? Well, the fact that the EDL came to Doncaster and marched through Hexthorpe. All right. Yeah. What does that achieve? What yeah. does it do? Mm. what's the point in that and it was people from outside of Doncaster coming to our town to sow you know, division mm. hatred and the amount of money that had to be spent on policing that event mm. it could be used on much better things couldn't it yeah 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 and it's just it, it's beyond me sometimes it goes back to the thing as, as a Muslim I need to be a good role model yeah I need to show people that as a Muslim I'm not different to you we've got the same views mm. you know do you feel there's a little bit more pressure on you then because you're not just local guy, Majid, who's oh, yeah, doing some I... counselling, you are Majid, who's Muslim. So it's almost like, uh, if he fucks up here, yeah. then all the Muslims will be just like, they'll fuck yeah. up as well, just and like And I have to be super careful in what I say, do yeah. how I present myself. And I mean, here, I've let my guard down a little bit and I've sworn a little bit. Uh, yeah. In the mic, thank you. But uh, but generally, <laughs> I would, real. Yeah, I, I would never talk like that. <clears throat> no, because I don't want it to be a reflection of my religion or who I am or what I am. And yeah. I wouldn't want people to say that. Oh, look, oh, you know, he's, you know, the F and Jeff and the dude, this, this, yeah, and yeah. this. Because I wouldn't want that to be presented and be out there. No, and I have to be super careful in what I do. Yeah, you know, the examples that I set. Do you or have you ever experienced that either? the colour of your skin, your religion, has ever hindered you within your career at all? Like, have you ever actually felt that or...? Not, not, in, the, not in my political career, no. No. No, not at all. The labour movement is all about doing diversity, inclusion, yeah. and bringing workers together to be united. It's for a common good mm-hmm. and a common purpose. And the labour movement is... If, Anyone wants to say the labour movement is racist, they don't understand the labour movement at all. Right. We, we're so far from that. Mm-hmm. And it's about, look at it in Doncaster. I am the only Muslim, Pakistani or brown, whatever, you know, counsellor. I've been brought in, I've been encouraged, I've been helped, I've been given guidance. Mm-hmm. I've been given the role of civic mayor. I'm the first citizen of Doncaster. It's the highest office you can hold here yeah, yeah. in Doncaster. And I've been given that as somebody. And it's because my Labour colleagues and friends support me and want me in that position. Yeah. I've had people like Rosie Winterton MP who supported me from day one, who's mm-hmm. been with me on it, again, giving me guidance and all the rest of it. Yeah. And everyone I know in the Labour movement has always helped me in that. Yeah. So the, the Labour movement is so far removed from racism and all the rest of it. Because yeah. our view on it is, is racism is used, again, to divide the working class. That's all that it's about. Yeah, yeah. When my dad was working in the steel industry, it didn't make a difference what the, what colour of skin you were. You had, his, had each other's back mm. because they were dangerous. 
difficult working conditions yeah, yeah. and it didn't make a difference if you were Pakistani or German or British or Welsh or yeah, yeah. Scottish you <laughs> because you were working together and you had a brotherhood you worked together yeah and that's what it was about yeah I mean other parties they might you know they might have a different take on stuff on what they do to promote people what they don't but mm. not not in the labor movement definitely well, not in labor because we've got this list now where all muslims are taking over aren't yeah, they well, <laughs> apparently well, yeah <laughs> i mean what scares some of the people on the right wing as well is because the labor party is so inclusive a lot of politicians who are from who are muslim politicians tend to stem within the labor movement and it goes back to some of the other the, the values that we hold in commonality. So being a good Muslim is looking after your neighbour, looking after other people, making sure everyone does well. Mm. And it's something which the labour movement shares and we yeah. share as a religion. Well, to be honest, like when you strip what being a Muslim is about back to that sentence that you've just said, surely that, like for me, I'm like, that's just what being a person is about, like a human. Mm. Like surely we want everybody to be happy and safe and looked after and if I'm happy you're happy we're all happy like exactly. surely that's the goal exactly. like for everybody it should be shouldn't it it should I just want to make sure that I don't leave this podcast thinking I've just had such an interesting mm. cool guy mm. I want to make sure I've asked everything I want to ask mm. um, and I think to be fair I probably have even oh, oh one thing do you know when you see... Is it the House of Commons where they do all that jeering at each yeah. other and they do the talking and yeah. stuff? Do you ever watch it and see them, like, jeering and laughing at each other and stuff and think, like, oh, that's a bit cringy, that. Mm. I hope people don't think I'm like that. Do what happens, though, is... I've been to the House of Commons and I've seen it live. Right. And the atmosphere in there when you're there yourself, yeah. compared to how it looks on TV, is completely different. Yeah. And the way I look at it is that Sometimes you've got three or four people sat on the bench and they're all mates. Mm -hmm. So when someone's having to dig at your mate, yeah. what do you start doing? So on TV, it looks really bad and it's wrong. They should give other people the opportunity to talk yeah. and present what they're doing. But I think when the attacks start getting personal, that's when that then gets, yeah. gets out of that. That's what causes that. Mm. So they'll go, the right honourable gentleman is an idiot. And then they'll yeah. go, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, do you see what I mean? Yeah, because to me, I'm like, come on, you lot are running the show. You should be able to have a conversation. Like if we were sat here now and you start saying to me like, I think this, and I'm like, nah, I think this. Yeah. I'd like to think we can have a conversation and go, right, well, that's cool. You think that, I think that. That's, I have no problem. I don't care, really, to be fair. And you have, like, a conversation about that. That's your opinion, that's my There it seems like, well, if you haven't got my opinion, I'm just going to call you a brick and, like, laugh at you. That tends to happen when you've got PMQs going on, which is uh, two hours of the week. So do you know, if you're boring like me, because I'm always on BBC <laughs> Politics and I'm always watching the House of Commons. I can, I can say I've never watched it ever. <laughs> so if you, if you watch the House of Commons when they've got normal business going on, yeah. you don't get any of that. No. So somebody will stand up and somebody will say, uh, you'll be on the opposition mm -hmm. and I'll be talking, they'll say, oh, do you give way? And I'll say, yeah, I give way, meaning, yeah, fine, you come in. Right. Then you'll get it and you'll chip in your two minutes into the debate. Yeah, yeah. Then you'll sit back down and I'll take back over. So I'm, I don't know, I might be talking about purple bins. Yeah. yeah? yeah. And we'll be talking, you know, real, I mean, because sometimes it is very boring, your normal stuff. We'll be talking about it and the opposition might get up and go, oh, no, no, we can't have purple bins because people who are <laughs> colourblind are yeah. going to walk into them. I'll go, you know what? I never thought of that. 
Ah, yeah, yeah. So, so sometimes there are sensible conversations. Bulk of the time, bulk we of, just see bulk of the time it's sensible, normal yeah. business that's going on. We just see the hyper, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, obviously, we see that because we only see it in the media. The media's there to hype shit up, and it? they only present that because it makes good viewing, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like you say, if you're sat there talking about purple bins, I'm going to be like. I think I'm going to watch YouTube for yeah. a bit. Yeah. <laughs> this is a bit boring. Yeah. So it doesn't get that kind of uh, yeah. a response. And what I always say to people as well is we, uh, the chamber in Doncaster here, when we have our full council meetings, we they get streamed on uh, on YouTube. Ah. Yeah. So watch those. And people, the general public are, are encouraged and welcome to come to full council. Yeah. You can come in and you can see council business as it's been discussed. Yeah. So come and get involved. You can come to the scrutiny meetings. You can come to cabinet. You can do all of that. As members of the general public, you can write into councillors, to the cabinet members, mm -hmm. to the mayor, and you can get your questions answered. So use it. If you're unsure, ask the question, get involved. Do you think I could become a politician? Of course. <laughs> could I become the mayor of Doncaster? Of course. Yeah? Definitely. The thing, what, what I say to people is, if I've done it, yeah. If I've done it, then why can't anybody else? Yeah. It's. Do you think I should? I think you should. Jeff, <laughs> just off camera. Mm -hmm. Do you think I should run, go into politics, and run to try and be a well, mayor or councillor? Yeah. I can't promise I'd back you, but. You, yeah, you would. Well, well, it's because he's got more money than me. Well, I, I'd, I'd back you anyway. Even if Jeff won't, I'll back you. Yeah. Well, there yeah. you go. Yeah. I'm going. Yeah. Donetta, we're going into politics. Yeah. You could. You could do it as a. Both of you could go in at the same time. Yes. And you could do podcasts. David versus Jeff. Yeah. I'm up for that. What are your policies then, mate? Um, I'm just going to get all the money and share it out evenly. Do you know, my, right, my, okay. my kids run for school council. Yeah. And you have to give a manifesto. And this is where I think my son's got the making of a politician. His manifesto commitment was chocolate concrete will be served every day. At lunchtime, he's won the people <laughs> immediately. He's won the people immediately. Uh, yeah, and he's you, the soundest policy of all time. Yeah, yeah. So, my policy would be, I'm going to build a wall around Britain. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it worked for some other geezer, yeah. didn't it? Do, do build big, big the bill, bigly wall. Build the yeah. bigly wall. Yeah, build a wall. Like, um, Pascal Savage and Johnny English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd prefer to be more like Johnny English to be fair, he's much cooler. A question, Magic, that I ask everybody on the podcast um, is, if you were to change your name, it's just a bit of fun, but you've got to change your name yeah. for the rest of your life, what would you change it to? I would be Jean-Luc Picard. Jean-Luc, is that a real person? Jean-Luc Picard. You're not a Star Trek No, I'm Oh, he's, he's um, Stuart. Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Yeah, I yeah. know, kind of. Yeah. So you change it to his name, yeah. his actual name. No, the character. Oh, the ca oh right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, that's a decent one. Yeah. i tell you what, I asked Jeff this question. Yeah. Pretty sure it lasted 40 minutes. Everybody else has gone, I already know. Yeah. <laughs> I already know what name. Je Jeff went yeah. on a tangent about yeah. loads of other stuff. Yeah. Is there anything, I think I've got it all out there. I wanted to take this opportunity to obviously speak to somebody who's educated in something that I'm not. Mm. I've done that. I wanted to talk about you being... Mm. I think you're like this rock star politician guy. Really? Like, different to the others. Yeah, I relate to you miles more than I've ever related to anybody. But then again, I've never spoke face-to-face -to, -face mm. to any of the others either. So if anybody in either party, any mm. party, wants to talk, mm. I'm down. 
Um, but is there any... So I've, I think I've got everything off my chest and everything that people wanted me to ask. A few people wanted me to ask you about Brexit. Okay. Like, if you want to sum that up in a minute or two. Like, do you think now, like, we should just... Let's not leave. Let's stick. It's a is that an option? It's a difficult one. I mean, it's such a mess at the moment with all of it, with what's going on. Um, and the fact of the matter is, Theresa May's not been able to deliver Brexit for us. We've now got Boris Johnson, who's promising that within 90... What, we're 97 days away now, aren't we? Mm-hmm. In 97 days, he's going to deliver Brexit. I think he's got a mammoth task on his hands. I think what we need to do is be sensible. I think we need an extension, which is a long extension. So How like, many years has this been going on? When did we vote to leave? About three years ago? Four, three years yeah. ago. So if we need a we need a long extension, in mm-hmm. my opinion, maybe two, three years. Mm-hmm. So we can really... You <laughs> and know, then extend that for another decade. No, no. We're never going to leave. No, well, I mean, if it gets if it gets done in the next ninety six days by Boris, then you know we've not got long to go, have we? But otherwise, if it doesn't happen, what I think doesn't work is having oh, we'll have a six month extension, and we'll have a six month, and we'll have a six month. Because yeah, yeah. then we're, we're only ever trying to do stuff in a very short period of time, yeah, yeah, and we don't yeah. deliver it. Mm-hmm. If we are going to have another extension, you need a longer, you need a chunk of time. You can plan this out, you can do it and deliver it properly. Yeah. What we ultimately need though is we need to change in governance and government. The Conservative Party, where they stand at the moment, I don't know if you know, but they had a supply and confidence arrangement with the DUP, which is the Irish Party. So in effect, I mean, a very simplified way Mm -hmm. is the Conservative said, right, when we need you to vote for us, you're going to vote in the way that we say. In return, what are your demands? They said, we need money spending in Ireland on this, this and this and this. So it's like, here's a big chunk of cash. You're now going to support us. And it's fine doing that because that's what they've done. Yeah. Their, Boris Johnson is now going to have to make that arrangement again because the DUP, one of the first things they said when Boris came in was the old supply uh, arrangement that we had finishes with Theresa May. Right. Because Boris is now... So now they've got them by the balls. Again. So yeah. we, need, we need a general election because what we need is we need a clear majority in the House of Commons. Mm-hmm. Brexit hasn't been delivered because Labour didn't want to do it or anybody else or the SNP the Conservatives control government they control Parliament they've got a very thin majority but they've got the majority if they wanted to deliver Brexit they could have done so mm. it was Conservative MPs who voted against their own party right. that have not allowed it to happen yeah I think I did read that somewhere yeah. it's, <laughs> it's their own party so they've got the majority yeah. they've got the people it's if I come to your house and there's five people in your house yeah yeah and you're making a decision about your front garden and three vote against it and two vote in favour. You can't blame your neighbour then, can you? No, no, no. No? no? Yeah, you need to get I your own it. house in order and the Tories need to do that and they're not going to do that unless they call a general election. Yeah. They need a general election. We need a Labour-led, <clears throat> a Jeremy Corbyn-led government in place and we need a Labour-delivered, a Labour-managed Brexit. Right. The benefit of that is workers' rights will be protected. The NHS will be protected. We're not going to allow the NHS to be privatised. We're not going to allow it to be sold off to the US like Donald Trump wants. Mm-hmm. The NHS is a, you know, it's a, one of our jewels. It's the fundamental thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We, we can't have that happen. No. And we're not going to allow the privatisation of the NHS under a Labour-led government and a mm-hmm. Labour-controlled Brexit. So we need a Labour government in place to do so. Right. <laughs> this is like a pitch. 
Flavour, isn't it? Well, I don't know. I don't know. It's just my opinion. It wasn't meant to be a pitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, the, from your bog standard, politically ill-educated person in myself... Yeah. The way I see these last few years, like my opinion on Brexit, if anybody's interested, is basically there was some geezer called David Cameron and he's decided, I tell you what, I'm going to do what no one else has ever done before and I'm going to let you decide whether you want to leave or stay. So there you go. And then he got the result that he probably didn't want and then he was like, oh, well, fuck you then, I'm leaving. And then Theresa May's like, oh, shit. I'll take over now, but I don't really know what I'm supposed to do with this. And then she's now kind of gone, yeah, no, that's not for me. And then Boris Johnson's in there now going like, oh, what are these Irish people going to want? Yeah. <laughs> like, it, that's basically me summing up what I think about what's happened. Do you know, I spoke about a guy earlier on, I said he looks like a bit of a, a cartoon character mm. from Victorian times. That's Jacob Rees-Mogg. Right. Now, I'd urge people, if they don't know who Jacob Rees-Mogg is, go away, Google him, do a bit of background into his hedge fund and how mm. much money he has and all the rest of it. He's a part of the ERG. The, What's the ERG? The European Research Group. Right. So that's a group of Conservative MPs mm-hmm. who were, you know, who strongly dislike being in Europe. Mm-hmm. The ERG were giving David Cameron a really hard time because they make up a good chunk of his MPs. Yeah. And it was almost at a point where David Cameron was forced into having this referendum. By internally by his own party right. and somewhat by UKIP. Nigel Farage seems to think that he was the main cause, but he wasn't. Right. And so David Cameron put this out there to the public. We're going to have a referendum on Europe. <coughs> and one of the things that Cameron said before the referendum is, Dis- whatever the result, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to carry on being the Prime Minister and I'm going to see it through to the end. And then in small print for at least a week. Yeah. You know, but, well, he didn't even last a week, did he? I think the day after the referendum. Oh, was it the day after? He tendered his resignation. He was gone. Then we had the Conservative leadership campaign yeah. when Theresa May came in. And yeah. I don't know if you recall that, but what happened is, first of all, you had a group of MPs going, yeah, yeah I want to be Prime Minister. And they, when they realised they were getting the shitty end of the stick, they all pulled out. Yeah, yeah. And Theresa May was the one holding the shitty stick. Mm. And by default, <laughs> she became... Chasing people around. Yeah, she became uh, Prime Minister by default. No yeah. one contested it. And then she kind of threw it and Boris were like, oh, I'll go and get yeah. that. Yeah. And again, it's the <laughs> Don't ER- get offended, Boris. And again, now it was the ERG and other people within the Conservative Party who put that much pressure on Theresa May that she mm. said, I'm going to hand over. And uh, my daughter, again... The downside of having a dad as a politician is that all you watch at home is politics. Yeah. So my daughter was sat there watching something with me and they were showing something of Theresa May's from two years ago and now. And you can see how she's aged in those two years. Right. Like it's had a massive toll on her. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really done her. And I don't think that's because she's two years older. I think that's because she's yeah. two years as the Tory party leader. Yeah. Not even as prime minister. It's not yeah, quite yeah. Just, but the Tory party leader has had a massive toll on her. And I think for her health and for her you know, for her sanity and the best thing that she's done is step down now and yeah. let someone else take over because it yeah. would have been the Only end Only she can confirm. No, but, but, yeah, yeah, but that's your opinion. My, my opinion because yeah, yeah, yeah. you can see how it's progressed. Yeah, yeah. You know, she's you know, got weaker as in physically she seems tired all the time and run down mm. and you know, all that yeah. and, and you can see it. I mean, to be fair, I've only ever seen her dancing. Right, okay. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> so. 
<laughs> but yeah, so I mean, but even the dance moves, I said, I, there's an argument that they're a bit lethargic, maybe. <laughs> Possibly. Know. I, don't know. I don't know. I reckon if in a dance off, I'd beat her. Oh, you probably would. I think I would as well. Yeah. What are we doing then? Are we yeah. now challenging Theresa May to a dance off yes. on the podcast in the cast theatre? Yes, in Doncaster. Yeah. And you can also put across your side of everything we've spoke about. Yep. Um, what I encourage people to do then listening to this, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Get in the comments. Now, what I don't want is a load of people giving me aggro because obviously politics and religion bring out the worst in people. Yep. Anybody that just starts going, ah, oh, you're a prick, I'm not going to respond to that sort of stuff because it's absolutely pointless. Anybody that wants to have a genuine conversation in the comments or even come on the podcast about religion, politics, Labour, Tories, Conservatives, you know, all that sort of stuff. Let's have a conversation about it because this podcast is built on me talking to as many different people from different backgrounds about different things as possible to educate myself as much as I can and hopefully entertain and educate other people as well. I think that we've achieved yeah, some of that. I'm, I mean, I'm happy to engage with anyone in any conversation the one I had. I mean, if they're mm -hmm. unsure of what I've said, they want a bit of clarity, if they feel there's some ambiguity or they're just generally unsure... You know, feel free to drop me a line. I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm happy to speak with anyone. I'm just a bit disappointed, though, that I didn't speak enough about Donny and how brilliant it is. And kind of, I, me and I took over a bit in that, you know. No, no, mm. Doncaster is unreal. I feel brilliant. Yeah. It's loads better. When I was a kid, Doncaster weren't that good. Yeah. The last 15 years, it's risen. It's a, like, I, I think the biggest thing first was probably the new French gate, mm. getting all redeveloped and stuff. Things like cast where we're at now, yep. unbelievable. And when you open your eyes and you get yourself out there and try to educate yourself, as with everything, you actually realise we live in such a good place. No, definitely. It um, is really good. But we, I mean, we can just do another podcast all about Doncaster. Maybe, maybe. And there's a lady, I can't remember now, she's from Barnsley or Sheffield mm -hmm. and she's moved to Doncaster. And someone asked her, why did you move to Donny? She said, I looked around and Donny's vibrant. Donny's got, got it going on. Wherever yes. you go and speak to people, they say that Doncaster's massively on the up yeah, and yeah. it's the place to be. And she goes, I wanted to be a part of that. Brilliant. But as it's rising, you know, yeah. and she's here. So for, to hear someone from Sheffield to you know, move to Donny for that reason, yeah, yeah, it yeah. gives you that confidence, doesn't it? It does, definitely. And it is and it is good. And I agree with everything that she said. And, and me and my wife, Danette, obviously people know David and Danette, the YouTube channel being a massive part of the community as well. We're in the thick of it. We're collaborating with businesses, with other creatives. And it's just, there is a really, really good buzz about it if you put yourself out there and, mm. uh, and meet people. But that's been That David Podcast with Mr. Majid Khan, who you can get. He's got a mug like everybody else. Where's my mug? Your mug's there, look. That's, this surpasses anything I received in my year as mayor. Well, I've got a mug with my mug on. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're delivering dreams on this I know, channel. I know, it's brilliant. It's so brilliant. you are on Twitter and Instagram yep. at Mr. Maj Khan. Yes. And Facebook, you search for Councillor Maj Khan. Yep. That's, That's it. it. You can All the it. links down in the description of the notes, wherever links go on wherever you're listening. Mm. Uh, thank you very much. That has been amazing. It's been great to be able to talk really openly and mm. I feel like you've answered questions openly and honestly as well yeah. because a lot of people are like mm, politicians will just answer a question with a question yeah and I'm like I don't feel like that's happened no no I think, um, thank you for having me on I'm just uh, I'm going to apologize 
in advance I was a, in some parts I'm conscious I was a bit sweary and whatnot and uh, I don't normally talk that way but it's the fact that we were quite uh, open weren't we yeah no but it's a relaxed atmosphere yeah. I think you're being yourself and not every, just because you swear a little bit now and again here and there don't mean you can't be professional in a more professional setting of course it doesn't help this is not a professional setting no <laughs> so no, there you go no. well thank you very much no pleasure brilliant pleasure bro it's been thank brilliant you. remember to subscribe yes of course and follow me yeah. follow me yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely